wet curls. I'll see you in the morning. And uh, do me a favor, try not to cause any trouble. Hello, and welcome to Utterly Terrifying. Hi. With your two favorite cows, Bluebell. And Marcy. And what are we doing today, Marcy? Well, what we do every night, Bluebell, we're watching horror movies. (gasps) You're right. (laughs) So, us as cows, we love horror movies. We love them so much. And every now and then, the farmer just leaves them laying around in the barn. You humans make such great spooky stuff. We love it. Mm-hmm. It's cow-tippingly good. <laughs> so the first movie that we're going into is Dracula. Dracula, the original Dracula. Mm-hmm. But we want to take this moment first. We understand that humans right now are going through a strike. The Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild are now striking against major corporations for unfair treatment and unfair pay. And we stand with them. It is incredibly important that workers stand up for their rights. And because of that, we are doing a very strong focus on older movies or independent movies and not doing anything to cross the picket line. It's exactly. Since we stand with the workers, we are going to be reviewing things like classics, so you get to hear our opinions on those. And actually, this is topical, given um, the movie we're watching. Yes, because Bela Lugosi was one of the founders of SAG. Him and Boris Karloff, who was most popularly known for Frankenstein, would stand outside the studio and pass out information for SAG in costume. I personally, wouldn't you take a flyer from Frankenstein if he's out there on the sidewalk going, CEO bad! Bird Corporation, absolutely. It, like, if anyone knows about like bringing, thing, bringing people together, it's gonna be Frankenstein. Exactly, I take the time now is to unite, comrade. I'd, I'd take <laughs> communist literature from Dracula any day. I mean, depends on the take on Dracula, really. And I'd take something from Bela Lugosi's Dracula. I would definitely take something from Bela Lugosi. Like, just knowing culturally the type of its, like, dare that has, like, that's just saying, you're going to listen to me. Exactly. Like, very commanding presence. Mm-hmm. And actually, Bluebell, did you know that Dracula was the first one of the Universal Monsters? Right, right. It was the MCU before the MCU was really a thing. Yeah, like, this kicked off Dracula, Frankenstein, it kicked off uh, Invisible Man, The Mummy, and this became so influential that they were like, even though these characters were supposed to die at the end, they had it where it's like, hey, Frankenstein and the Wolf Man meet. Hey, uh, Dracula had a daughter, Frankenstein had a son, they got married and gave birth to a werewolf. That's the monsters. <laughs> Doc! Yeah, well, you're not wrong, honestly. You aren't. And they also all had ghosts. They all came back as ghosts. They also all had houses. Which kind of became the inspiration for, like, modern haunted houses, right? 
Yeah, I think so. We'll just roll with it and say they did. <laughs> Bella Lugosi was also buried in his Dracula cape. You know what? I think he should follow the trend of the greats and Robert Downey Jr., whenever he does pass on, needs to be buried in his Iron Man armor. That or like Chris Evans with his uh, Captain America shield. Why not all the Avengers? Yeah, yeah. We Everyone just paint could... Mark Ruffalo green <laughs> before we lower him into the ground. Just go ahead and be like, go to whatever mortician is working on him and it's like, all right, this is a shade of body paint. Make sure it lasts. Well, can't you just use acrylic at that point? He's dead. Yeah, you could just you could just acrylic him. It's fine. You could just spray paint him. He's dead. Coming in with an airbrush. <laughs> We're gonna paint the muscles on you too, buddy. It's okay. Oh, don't bury him shirtless though. That's just tasteless. Don't. <laughs> no, he'll be he'll be Professor Hulk. It's okay. Professor Hulk. Yeah, exactly. He you just him. bury all of the famous actors cosplaying their most famous characters. You know, that that actually needs to be the trend now. Absolutely. Alrighty. So, I'm excited for that. Um, what do you think uh, we're gonna see going into this movie? So, I am super excited to see the granddaddy of, like, all stereotypes. Because we see so many vampire cliches. You know, the Hotel Transylvania. I don't go blah, blah, blah. That's where all of this was born. Obviously not as campy, but... The accents, the swooshy capes, the back, the slicked back hair. This is kind of where all those like things that we perceive are cliche are born. This is something that it's like, hey, yeah, we've seen this a thousand times. Well, here's the blueprint. Exactly. That's that's what I'm excited to see. I'm super down to see where all like the campiness came from. What was the little seed that bloomed a beautiful tree raining rose petals down all the time? So, I believe we have a movie to watch. Yes, we do. So, we'll be back with some thoughts. Alright, so... That was a movie. So, I'm just gonna say this right off the bat. Jesus fucking Christ, this movie was slow. Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess they really hadn't figured out pacing... At that point. And it's also at a level that seeing so many movies, I'm a little desensitized. And them being like, we can't show any sort of physical contact that could be construed as violent on screen. Except blood. They did show a little bit. A little bit of blood. But it was, I'm not saying it was bad. I'm saying it was, it was a good movie. It's hard to watch, and I don't think I would sit down and watch it again. Sensibilities have just changed. That's Mm -hmm. the long and the short of it. We are modern cows in a modern cow audience. This movie was made, what, in the... 1933, I believe? So there's automatically going to be a little bit of discrepancy of what audience then finds scary and what audiences now find scary. Exactly, exactly. So looking at it through a modern lens, oh god, that movie is just hard to sit through. Looking at it through the lens of people in the 1930s, that's terrifying. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. But I think we're getting ahead of ourselves just a little bit. Let's go ahead and trace all the way back to the beginning of the movie. So this guy, Renfield, he is traveling to Transylvania. In a cart that's clearly being like pushed around on a set... Kind of make like the little bumpy motion. 
gotta love it when your job is just shake this and make it look convincing. <laughs> you know what? I'm sure they were paid very generously in 1930s times. Yeah, you're two gonna... cigarettes and a sandwich, I think. So he shows up to this village and everyone's just like, hey, you know that castle on the top of that hill? There's, like, some weird stuff going down up, and up there. And Renfield's like, huh, weird. Well, I'm going to go up to the freaky castle on the top of the hill where they say a pale man drinks the blood of virgins with his three polyamorous wives. And they're like, okay, dude, if you're going to do that, at least take this cross. And he's like, oh, okay, weird. By strange it. Romanians. And he does take it. And he comes up to the castle and we see some puzzling wildlife for a few shots. Oh, don't um, you know about like the very rare uh, Transylvanian American possum? Yeah, there was just uh, of course, very, very rare. It was just hanging out by a, by like a little casket thingy. So, yeah, he was hanging out by a casket and then we got two armadillos. Yeah, they were just kind of chilling together once again in like a random crypt. Okay, hear me out, hear me out. That possum. Possums have a natural lower body temperature. Mm-hmm. They eat ticks. They're nocturnal. What if possums are just like the North American vampire? That is actually Dracula's <laughs> like Appalachian cousin Cletus. <laughs> Don't mind him. He's visiting. <laughs> I mean, they can take many shapes, so why not? <laughs> He's just looking for where He's trying to convince his cousin Dracula to make mood shine. <laughs> and then having Dracula say the line, I don't drink wine. <laughs> Cletus is downstairs. But do you drink moonshine? Cletus is downstairs in the basement. It's like, yeah, hell no. You're not going to drink no stupid wine. Here, have this. Light your mom on fire. Oh, it's so stupid. But, but... Out of place, cousins aside, there is a really cool shot. Dracula's revealing shot is actually really cool. It is fantastic, that incredible zoom up. And Bella Lugosi has this way of just pulling the attention directly to him on screen. Mm -hmm. Especially as Dracula... Yeah, Bela Lugosi is not a conventionally handsome man, I'd say. He was in his middle age by this time this film was doing its thing. Like, attractiveness aside, there's still something to say about just raw stage presence. That's what he had. It wasn't about, like, aesthetics. This man's gaze could pull anyone, really. And then you introduce Renfield, which is just the twinkiest twink of a man. Yeah, he's wearing his little boater hat and his little vest, and he's like, oh, you must be Dracula. And Dracula leads him upstairs. They're doing paperwork, and Renfield is just like, this castle is not well kept. So many spiderwebs. And he's like, you know, Dracula says something spooky about it, because that is a lot of what Dracula does. He's being spooky at the audience and or the people in the scene. And my favorite part is they're going over paperwork and Renfield just gives himself a paper cut and it's a gusher. Oh yeah. I've not had a lot of paper cuts, not as recent, but when I do doing my little cow paperwork, there is, there is a, the itty Bittiest, bittiest red line, if anything. Like, I don't notice if I get a paper cut doing all my cow business until it's like... You wash your hooves later. Yeah. And I'm making myself a cow margarita, and I get some lemon on my hoof, and I'm like, ah, that stings, you little bitch. But no, this is just... It's trickling blood down his hand, and Dracula is overcome 
by lust. It's like, ooh, is that AB positive? That is very rare. But then before he's able to indulge in himself, the crucifix falls out of Renfield's, like, breast pocket? Or out of his shirt? Or out of the ether? It's just like, haha, you think you're going to suck this man? Blood. <laughs> and But the power of Christ compels you! When you're into a guy, but then you found out he went to Jesus camp. And then he, Dracula recoils back. And just a little detail, Dracula does not have fangs. No, you never really see him with fangs. Maybe that's a stereotype from another movie. Um, would have to do research to see when exactly vampires started showing fangs. But no, you never actually see him with fangs. But there's evidence of it because uh, later in the film, they're like, oh yeah, there's two puncture marks where someone got bit. But we don't ever actually see Bella Lugosi with fangs. It's yeah, that's just something I noticed. But after Dracula recoils, um, he kind of writes himself and says, "I'm going to go now." And once again, finds a convenient way to leave because he made himself look weird. Because he's Dracula does have a couple fumbles in the movie where he's like, "I'm not a vampire. No, definitely not." Ah, it's like this was a totally normal reaction. Just farewell. So, and then Renfield's alone in the room, and he goes to sleep, and then the three uh, brides come up, and I do love that all of them are wearing train dresses, because then it's like, yes, they are Dracula's bride. In which case, Dracula comes in as a bat and a string. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he does. And then he's jump cut into the movie. And then he's just like, this is my twink women, goodbye. Um, we stand his bisexual era. Yes, and um, when Renfield sees the bat, by the way, he sees like the little bat on a string, and he kind of like falls down and crumbles to the ground dramatically, um, <laughs> as twinks are wont to do. And then when Dracula appears, he's like, "Be gone! This is my twink." And all we see is Dracula kind of like hovering over him, his like cape covering the both of them, which is you know in a way a little bit romantic. And then it's implied that Dracula has fed from Renfield. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we never really see any sort of actual violence on screen. It's always alluded to. So then we see Renfield and Dracula on a boat well, going to England. Dracula in a box. Dracula's in a box. Dracula's in a box. Dracula's in, in a, a box. box. <laughs> um, they're on their way to England. And suddenly... Renfield is like, oh, master, yes, please feed me more spiders. Yeah, Renfield is um, not doing, taking that vampire bite super well. He is what most vampire um, lore knows as a thrall, basically a servant or a slave to a vampire that has bitten you. And um, yeah, he is gone totally off the deep end. The next uh, scene we uh, see is... The captain had been tied to the wheel of the ship, even though he was killed. And uh, it's alluded that all the people there are killed. And then we just get this face. The face that Renfield has is just so unsettling. Honestly, yeah, it is a face of pure madness. It's... Like, I'll have nightmares about it. Oh, yeah. It suggested pretty heavily he was the one that killed all those crew members, and we're pretty sure we know who told him to do that. Well, and I think it's more implied that Dracula was just like, I'm hungry, bring me a snack. And uh, Renfield was just like, sure, no prob. Whose idea it was to tie the captain to the wheel? Arts and crafts. 
We could get bored on a ship, so you have to do something. Decoupage. Exactly. Um, but that little hull stunt did earn him a one-way trip to uh, ye old straitjacket farm. <laughs> yeah, and he is tweaking in that asylum. He's moved on from wanting to eat ants into eating spiders. But he does like a little soliloquy about it. It's like, oh, yes, spiders are so juicy and delicious, filled with blood. And the orderly's like, please, you're waking out the other patients. Stop trying to eat spiders. Like, if you're waking up patients in an insane asylum, like, first of all, usually they're on their own shit. Yeah. As someone who has gone to a hospital for her own mad cow disease, I haven't been in the eating spiders part of the ward. Those are usually the cows who are like, I'm going to gouge you with a horn. I was in it's like, I've just been tipped over too many times. <laughs> but, oh. yeah. <laughs> uh, spiders. Okay. So back to Dracula. He's like strutting his stuff down the street and making his way downtown. Walking fast, face is past, and he's theater bound. Is but then he sees the opportunity for a snack. An innocent little Victorian child selling flowers. And it's like, you know what? Snacks at the theater are pricey. And it's right here. I'm so juicy. This is like tr- this is like buying your own candy at 7-Eleven before you go. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, no. Don't do 7-Eleven. You go to Dollar Tree. Because then you get, like, the actual ones that they sell at the movie theater. Yeah. For a buck! 25 now. <laughs> yeah, inflation's gotten everyone. Yeah. But, yeah, he has this little snickety snack. Um, there's a flower that drops dramatically to the ground. And then the police officer who just finds the body is sitting there blowing his little whistle going, Hey, everyone, I found a body. Come look. Corpse discovered. He was among us before among us. He really was. He was was. a trendsetter. But as the concerned Victorian gentlefolk gather around the corpse of this child, Dracula is gone and he is now in the theater uh, where the audience meets Mia, her fiancé, who definitely has a name but he's a main character because he is very white and at least not difficult to look at like he's a person and that's one of the best compliments that you could give someone is that they're a person he certainly is a person with organs and lungs and a heart um we don't know if he has a brain though Dracula is first actually really into Mia's friend, who seems to be kind of like goth before goth was really a thing. She keeps ta- like reciting all of these beautiful um, poems about death and the macabre, and he's like, oh, all right. She's like, I'm just different. <laughs> it's I read books, and I don't care about makeup. I don't know. It's just all pointless. It's like, my father died of typhoid. <laughs> It's, I think it affected me deeply. Um, and Dracula's like, oh, all right, she's got damage. Um, I think I could swing with this. And then he just strains her. Yeah, he just sneaks into her bedroom at night, at once again appearing as a little bitty bat on his string, um, and drains her at night. And that's all we see of her. He drains her dry and kills her. In the theater where they're checking out her body and everything, they're like, there's these two puncture marks, and she's completely devoid of blood. What could this possibly be? They're all still scratching their heads about it. And it gets to the point where they're like, hey, you know that really crazy guy at the university 
who keeps saying, like, everyone's a vampire. Maybe we should ask him. And that's where we meet. Um, Van Helsink. <laughs> yeah, the famous Van Helsink. I know, I know you have all heard that name somewhere or another, but this is where he came from. Everyone thinks Van Helsink's a little crazy. Like, here's the thing. As, like, a professor, like, at what point does a doctor sit there and be like, I really don't know what's going on. Should we call a cryptozoologist? You have to be, like, reaching the bottom of the barrel to go, you know what? Maybe that guy that was screaming about Mothman on the corner could be onto something. You know what I think caused this? The squonk. <laughs> Not the squonk! So, anyway, they're like, why don't we talk to the crazy guy who arrived the same time that all these murders started happening? And Van Helsing's like, yes, let me talk to the crazy man. I bet you some doctors were like, yes, Van Helsing, you can talk to the mirror. Yes, Van Helsing. Sure. So, during this, there everyone's kind of scratching their heads about what could be going on. Because there's, you know, there's some weird stuff going on in London right now. But it comes to a head a little bit more when Mia is being beautiful and virginal in her bedroom by herself. And Dracula decides it's like, hmm free real estate and just pops into her room as a bat um as a bat on a string he appears in the window and then once again he is just cut into the bedroom and then it's alluded that he bites her you get this fantastic close-up shot on his face as he like comes in to bite her um and that would have i'm sure have sent people running and screaming out of the theater like, I'm pretty sure one woman did, like, the hand to her forehead. Oh! <laughs> and then the next morning she wakes up, and she is kind of enthralled, but she's not Renfield b- down bad yet. It's like, oh, I can only dream of Dracula. Dracula's my life now. Forget you, John. Basically, and she's like, this face, it's red eyes. Um, and she has like a little, she's wearing like a tasteful little scarfy scarf because she also too has the little bites on her neck. No one has any answers for this. So once again, they're like, all right, uh, I guess we'll just listen to Van Helsing. And Van Helsing's like, all right, Wolfsbane, everywhere, everywhere. Make her wear a necklace of it. And silver, silver, silver everywhere. And, and then Dracula's like in the house and he's just like, guys, I, I'm just being here yeah it's fine yeah he's like guys i'm i I, listen i'm just i just got here but as they're having this little conversation while dracula is in the room van helsing realizes that in a little tiny mirror on a side table dracula is the only figure in this room that is not reflected in it and that goes back to like those mirrors would have silver backs and silver would repel and i'm really interested in like the little crossover between werewolves and vampires at this point because if you say wolfsbane and silver you think werewolf you Mm -hmm. say garlic and crucifix you think vampire but there's like yeah he got repelled by the crucifix but there has not been a single thing about garlic i don't know where that came from is it just he doesn't like the flavor uh, it's I some lore I read vampires don't like the smell. Then okay, he has unseasoned food because garlic is delicious. It, that's why Italians are immune. <laughs> Can't have Italian vampires. Garlic is in everything. So Van Helsing shows this mirror to Dracula, and Dracula gets very overreactive and just smacks it out of his hand and like holds its cape up, and then realizes, 
Oh, oh. that's not how humans react. Yes. I must go. <laughs> Basically, once again, they have, Dracula kind of wigs out a little bit. He's like, it's been fun, but now I've got, got to go. go. And then they were like, oh, there's a wolf just scampering across the lawn. But they don't show a wolf because I think they used their animal budget on armadillos and a possum. Yeah, they did. And John is the one that sees the wolf. He's like, there's this giant dog running across the yard. And they went ahead and are like, yeah, yeah, we'll need to go ahead and have you go up and talk to Mia. And Mia is at this point fully enthralled. Oh yeah, she is down horrendous for Dracula. She wants nothing, craves nothing but to be with her master. And everyone's a little weirded out by that, except for her fiancé, who has yet to display an actual personality. I mean, here's the thing. Even me herself doesn't really have that much of a personality. Renfield, out of all the characters so far, has the most personality. I want to see a movie about Renfield and his quest to eat spiders in the sideboard. <laughs> so then they end up finding out that it's like, yeah, she's enthralled by Dracula. Um, she runs off with him. They track down Renfield and are like, hey, she needs to be buried in his home dirt to become a full vampire. And Renfield's like, you'll never have me tell you that casket of dirt is in the abbey. Shit. And then he's like, oh, damn, I got to get out of here so I can tell my boss. Because maybe Daddy Dracula will forgive me. Well, uh, Dracula is like pulling uh, Mia down the stairs. He's like, oh, Papa Dracula. Renfield's just down there on the stairs. And you see Dracula pick him up. It cuts to the outside of the building, and then it cuts to Renfield just somersaulting jauntily down the stairs. Very limply, and then he just kind of falls off the staircase at some point, and I guess he's dead. He only attended one tumbling class, okay? He was only going to do so well. (laughs) Have you seen the Olympics from this era? They weren't fantastic. Well, that tumbling lesson paid off. Not really, but then John comes to save the day. I think, kind of. Because it all happens off screen. John runs down the stairs, and then he just has Mia, and they're going up the stairs, and then he's like, and I have slain Dracula. Yeah, Van Helsink eventually picks up a stick. No, it wasn't Van Helsink, it was John. Yeah, he picks up a stick, and he's like, he doesn't do anything with the stick, but like he like puts it in the box, and that means he's dead. Yeah, and that's the movie. And it's one of those things that it's just, you understand it's a product of its time. Mm-hmm. Is it one that I recommend other people watch? Yeah. If you're a history buff, especially a film buff or horror buff, it is not required viewing, but you should watch it just for the significance so you can see where all of this came from. Having an appreciation for where our take on modern day horror really began is so important. It just shows an appreciation for how far the genre has really come. Exactly. You can't really appreciate the giant, the ever be tentacled and multi-eyed monolith of horror has become without seeing the little tiny seed it had sprouted from. And this was the place it had sprouted, or one of the many. And if you ask someone, it's like, What is one of the biggest monsters? A lot of people will say either vampires or they will say Dracula. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Dracula has been a beloved character ever since, honestly, this movie came out. And has been 
rewritten, parodied, and dissected countless, countless times, and it is always just burgeoned new ideas, concepts, and ways to tell a story. I feel like this Dracula, it is also in that gothic romance sort of feel. Oh, definitely. The seductive vampire was kind of born from this. Not in the way we see it, but Bela Lugosi has a commanding presence. That gaze draws your eyes in, even if you don't want them to. The way he has three brides and was about to effectively get another before some meddling man came along and staked him. And chances are, if you say Dracula, Bela Lugosi's is the one that comes to people's mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, after countless and countless and countless iterations... It's, oh yes. It's, but he's still almost, I'd say the king still. Mm-hmm. So, I believe the sun is coming up, and the farmer's gonna be waking up soon. And the farmer can't know we've learned to talk. It's, we must make, we must keep it a secret. So, please join us next time where we talk about Nightmare on Elm Street. It's sweet dreams, Marcy. Sweet dreams, Bluebell. Good night. Good night.